where common sense, honest conversation, and thought-provoking discussions thrive in a completely independent forum. This is the Roundup Podcast. Here now is your host, Jeff Eager. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Oregon Roundup Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Eager. Glad you're listening today. I am recording a little bit before 1 p.m. on Thursday, May 25th. If things go as usual, this episode will be available for you to listen to tomorrow morning, the morning of Friday, May 26th. So whenever you're listening, I hope you're having a good one. It's a beautiful, sunny spring day, about 70 degrees here in Bend, Oregon today. So hope it's nice where you are as we grind towards summer. Have some interesting things to talk to you about today. We're going to talk about Measure 110, the hard drug decriminalization measure here in Oregon and some new polling that's come out related to that ballot measure. And then talk a little bit about the Senate Republican walkout. I feel like I should say something about that because that's the only thing that the rest of the media in Oregon is talking about, although I suspect I have a little bit different take on it than some of the others. And then at the end, a little update on that thing I've been writing kind of exclusively about for the last couple of weeks, which is the $500,000 donation to the Democrat Party of Oregon investigations or lack thereof pertaining to the same to round out the episode. So Measure 110, voters in the state of Oregon solidly approved Measure 110. It was funded by a number of groups, including outside groups associated with Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, George Soros, who's a progressive funder of epic proportions, and other outside like drug legalization activist groups. There was a lot of stuff on the pro side out there during the campaign, not much on the anti side. Passed uh, fairly easily. It's been pretty clear since the thing went into effect. I think it was at the beginning of 22, might have been the beginning of 21. It is failing. It's proposition was to decriminalize possession amounts or user amounts of hard drugs like fentanyl, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, then reallocate a bunch of marijuana tax money to treatment. So the idea being or the the kind of bill of sale sold to Oregon voters was let's stop incarcerating folks that are addicted to drugs and let's get them better. Let's use this money to to get them better, which on its own is not necessarily a ridiculous argument to make, except it hasn't worked at all. You know, Oregon's addiction problem keeps getting worse. The overdose problem keeps getting worse. It's tied in very closely with the homeless crisis that we're having throughout the state, especially in places like Portland. And it's it's just clearly failed. And even on the spending end of things, took the state forever to get the money reallocated and spent. Now they're talking about how they've spent like $150 million and helped X number of people. We touched on that a little bit last week in my interview with Betsy Johnson. And I'm kind of in Betsy's camp on this. I'll believe that that spending has been effective once we see actual addiction rates going down. The fact that these organizations have been in contact with addicts is... I suppose good, but it's the end result that we're looking for is fewer people addicted to drugs and dying um, 
Oregon streets and in Oregon homes at record levels, which has been the case now for a couple years. To anyone with an awareness of what's happened in Oregon, Measure 110 has been a failure. And that fact is, it's one of those things, and there, there's, I'm trying to think about what to call it, but there's, there's a host of things, and this isn't just in Oregon, it happens throughout the country and probably throughout the world too, where there are truths that cannot be mentioned in polite company. And in Oregon in particular, that polite company is progressive company, liberal company. A lot of those folks supported Measure 110 and still support Measure 110. A lot of the voices you hear out there that are most supportive of Measure 110 and staying the course with with that ballot measure make a lot of money off of this thing. There's a lot of money involved in Measure 110 because of the reallocation of marijuana funds to addiction treatment stuff. You know, people make money off of addiction treatment. There's a fairly significant financial component to the debate about Measure 110. It's been pretty clear to a lot of us that Measure 110 has been a failure, but that's not been something that most of the media has been interested in talking about. You know, the the candidates for governor last year, Drazen and Johnson, said it should be repealed. I think Kotek kind of split the difference on that. But as as governor, she's you know she certainly hasn't called for its repeal. And the big question has been, you know, what do Oregon voters think about this thing? There was some polling done, I think, last year by one of these pro-decriminalization groups that was just a garbage poll that, you know, basically asked Oregon voters, do you support throwing someone who is addicted in jail or helping them get better? And when posed that way, a significant proportion, a majority of the people they sampled said, we want them to get better rather than throwing them in jail. But of course, that's not the real question that's before Oregon voters. The real question before Oregonians right now is whether Measure 110 is helping them get better and whether the decriminalization is working. We now finally have some new polling out from DHM Research out of Portland, well-respected pollster. We've had them on the podcast here not too long ago. But their findings in this poll, which came out in April, key takeaways. A majority of voters think that Measure 110 has been bad for Oregon. More than 6 in 10 voters think that Measure 110 has made drug addiction, homelessness, and crime worse. 63% of voter support uh, voters support bringing back criminal penalties for drug possession while continuing to use cannabis taxes to fund drug treatment programs. Voters become more supportive of bringing back criminal penalties for drug possession when hearing about the state's struggles standing up treatment programs. And more voters believe that the root cause of homelessness is drug addiction and mental health problems than a lack of access to affordable housing. I don't know about you, when I hear those key findings from this poll, I'm like, yes, I'm not as weird as I thought I was. I'm not as weird politically as, uh, as it would seem if my context is entirely reading newspapers and whatnot that come from media outlets in the state of Oregon. It turns out that a significant majority of Oregonians actually get it on this issue. They get it that Measure 110 is a failure and they, they get it that it needs to be repealed, at least the decriminalization part of it. They get it that homelessness is deeply tied in with addiction 
and mental health, not as much a lack of access to affordable housing. And so, and these are, you know, it's, it's, let's give Oregon voters some credit here. In a way, these have been not easy conclusions to reach in the sense that they're easy in that when you drive around and you see the folks that are homeless and what they're doing, it's pretty apparent if you're paying attention that there are some drug and mental health issues going on there. It's also apparent if you look at what's happened with addiction since the passage and enactment of Measure 110 in Oregon, that it's not helping. You know, it's not the only thing that's causing our addiction crisis, but it sure as heck isn't helping. And I wrote a piece a couple months ago called, I think, Measure 110 Isn't Helping, and kind of described that. Like the, the debate, a lot of the debate has been, well, you know, people like me say, well, Measure 110 is a failure. Look at the addiction rates, blah, blah, blah. Look at the overdose rates. Look at homelessness. And then the people that support Measure 110 say, well, you know, a lot of that was bad before, and it's not the only factor going into this, and we just haven't given it enough time, the spending's not out there yet, et cetera, et cetera, which, fine, I'll grant them all of that, that there's a lot going on here, and Measure 110 does not explain Oregon's addiction crisis or homeless crisis on its own, but it sure isn't helping. And I do think that, politically speaking, the best approach to this is exactly the question that DHM asked, which is, okay, the money that Measure 110 was supposed to generate and has generated, it's been spent poorly, I think one can conclude, and slowly and could be spent a lot better. But you don't want to have that fight that we're going to defund addiction programs right now when every Oregonian knows that we have an addiction crisis. And in some respects, some of those resources that need to go to help addicts are in short supply, which goes more to the fact that we're not spending the money that we do have effectively, but you don't want to have that fight that we're going to, we're going to cut addiction funding right now, but you can sure have the fight that we need to repeal the decriminalization. And so, you know, back when I wrote that piece, I argued that the thing to do is to repeal the decriminalization and then focus some oversight and reform on the spending efforts, but don't defund the thing, keep that money going to addiction stuff, make sure it's spent better but there's overwhelming support in Oregon for the proposition of keeping that funding in place and repealing the decriminalization, or at least pausing it, right? You could pause it, you could repeal it outright. And that's something that the Oregon legislature can do on its own. This is not a constitutional amendment. It was a ballot measure that resulted in a statute in the state of Oregon, and the legislature with the governor's signature can revise statutes as it wishes of course, the legislature being what the legislature is, they had they showed no interest in, in doing that for the most part during this legislative session that's kind of coming to an end, and we'll touch on that here in a moment. There were certainly bills sponsored by Republicans to repeal Measure 110 because they're Republican bills. They had no chance of becoming law in our Democrat-dominated legislature. And then there were some... Democrat bills to kind of nibble around the edges of Measure 110, you know, to, you know, for example, make smaller the amount of fentanyl that someone can possess without it being a crime and kind of just touch the edges of the of the ballot measure. 
but preserve the core of it, the, the core of decriminalization of those heavy drugs or hard drugs. And those, those have gotten, have seen the light of day, some of them, some of those bills, because they're Democrat bills. And Democrats know, you know, they know what this polling is. They know that Measure 110 is deeply unpopular in Oregon. And quite frankly, I think they know, many of them, that it's been a failure, even if measured by their own kind of criteria, it's been a failure. If they were to come out in favor of repealing it, even just repealing the decriminalization part, you know, they'd have to admit they were wrong the whole time. They would get sideways with these advocacy groups that still think that it'll work and that want to use Oregon as a laboratory to try this thing out uh, so they can try it in other states and ultimately probably nationally. And so they just they just haven't taken pl- taken any significant action on it. Measure 110 is one of these things, like I was saying, that where the, the, the electorate gets it like they do on so many other issues in Oregon. Crime, they get it, but we need more cops. We need to stop being soft on criminals. They get that. They get it that homelessness is related to addiction and mental health. They get it that Measure 110 stinks. They get it on this stuff. And there's just this growing chasm between where the voters are on those issues and where their elected officials are on those issues. And there's a tension there that tension is growing as that chasm increases. A lot of us, including myself, thought that that tension might lead to a pretty significant change in leadership in our state last year, but it didn't for a host of reasons. That doesn't mean the tension goes away. In fact, the tension has increased because, you know, people like Tina Kotek are certainly not centrist. And as evidence fuels voters' recognition of what really is happening in our state, that chasm between someone like Tina Kotek and the electorate grows wider. It's for that reason that ultimately something has to give. Something will have to give. Either the Tina Koteks of the world are going to have to moderate themselves significantly on these crime and drug and homeless issues, kind of like Ted Wheeler did in Portland, or new people will get elected. And maybe that's going to be Democrats that have a realistic view of those things, like Renee Gonzalez, new city commissioner in Portland, or maybe it's Republicans, or maybe it's nonpartisan people. That much is going to depend a lot on what those folks do in terms of if Republicans cannot be weird and if there are enough Democrats who will break with the kind of zeitgeist of that really progressive party in the state and their activist and donor base. It's kind of a race to see who can capture those those voters, the realistic voters in Oregon uh, between those folks. And it's there to be had uh, because they're not being served by the people that call the shots in this state right now. But that tension's there and it's going to result in change eventually. You know, I, from my standpoint, the real shame of it is, especially when you get on something like addiction and measure 110, people are dying right now because of Measure 110's failure. And really what we're doing is most people know it's a failure and we're basically just letting people die from drug overdoses in our state because the people who supported Measure 110 don't want to admit for political or financial reasons that it it's a failure. That's a pretty not nasty place to be, to be honest with you. I think that what this polling shows is that 
you know, a message that I think works or should work is how many more people need to die. You know, everyone knows, most people know that Measure 110 didn't work, doesn't work. You guys aren't repealing it because you're too ideological or too, you know, beholden to your donor and activist base, which is way off base with where the general electorate is in Oregon. You're letting people die because you won't admit that you were wrong. And so we need to replace you. I think that's a pretty powerful message. And I think that this polling shows that that's, that's definitely a direction that folks who are interested in that line of thinking can take, be they Republicans, frankly, or be they Democrats who want to be more centrist and kind of take this stuff on. Definitely political incentives out there for people to do that on both sides. So the tension's there, and hopefully it gets rectified, and the policies that come out of Salem get closer to what the policies are that people want, because there's a big, a big gap there right now. On the subject of the legislature and so the Senate, the Republicans in the Senate have deprived that body of a majority now for a few weeks. And there was some discussion about the Senate isn't using uh, language that can be read by an eighth grader or fifth grader, I forget which, in its bills. And that's required by law, yada, yada. But what, what it's really about is these hardline progressive pieces of legislation dealing with abortion, dealing with transgendered issues, dealing with gun control, and a a host of other issues that the Republicans don't want to have enacted into law, and the Democrats do. And by walking out, Republicans deprive Democrats of the two-thirds quorum they need in order to transact business. It's the only leverage that Republicans really have in the legislature, and they're they're using it. And from my standpoint, if the legislature doesn't pass a single thing the rest of this time, that's probably for the best, other than, you know, a budget bill. And the Republicans have said they'll come back in on June 25th to pass a budget bill to keep the doors of the state open. I think we could do with a lot of doors of the state closed to remain closed, but fine, pass a budget. But the rest of this stuff, I don't think that Salem has done anything to earn the trust of Oregonians that these kind of hard-edged things that they're trying to do are actually going to do any good for the, for the state. The Democrats going into this legislative session knew what the quorum requirements were. They knew about this ballot measure that theoretically, if constitutional, would punish Republicans for walking out of the Senate. And the Democrats still chose to go with some, you know, the hardline version of these measures that they want to see enacted rather than work with Republicans to soften them up to the point or work with them on other bills to the point where Republicans weren't going to walk out. I prefer my legislators working. I I don't mind my legislators voting with their feet and not being present to allow the Democrats to do, to continue doing via legislation, what they've done in Oregon for a long time and kind of got us into this mess to begin with. You know, you see in the media all this stuff about how long the, the walkout's been been going on and, you know, the, the Portland media is just beside itself that uh, folks aren't showing up and that they may be jeopardizing their ability to run for office again. And it's just kind of kind of silly, just like just like Democrats knew, you know, on votes they need a majority vote on going into this session, that they needed to have at least that many votes. They also needed to have at least two-thirds of 
legislators present in each house in order to to enact their agenda. And they chose not to ensure that that could happen. Same thing in my mind as just miscalculating what kind of policies to put forward that would garner 50% plus one vote in each house of the legislature. They miscalculated about what they thought they could get away with, you know, force Republicans to kind of accede to by being present in the, in the Senate. And they miscalculated. That's, that's on them. I don't feel badly, <laughs> frankly, for them. And I, I don't think uh, based on past performance that Oregonians are going to be worse off if our legislature passes fewer bills. Now, if if the Democrats were to dangle in front of Senate Republicans a bill to repeal the decriminalization component of Measure 110 in exchange for them coming back and taking some votes on these on these bills, boy, that you know, that'd be one that would make me wonder whether Republicans should go back in and probably they should. Because just because that drug issue is so predominant in the things that are hurting Oregon right now, but that's not the kind of thing that's that's happening, and the Democrats have no interest in doing that. That's the kind of horse trading that could be going on if Democrats really wanted to enact these things. And instead, they seem pretty happy with just developing what they think is an effective campaign message that Republicans walked out and uh, deprived them of their ability to pass these bills. So we'll see how that ends up. I don't mind Salem doing less rather than more, assuming what they'd be doing more of is the same type of stuff they've been doing and got us into this mess. My favorite topic-ish the Democratic Party of Oregon and the $500,000 it received the November election last year from a guy named Nishad Singh, kind of from him. Uh, they misreported it initially as coming from entity in Nevada that was essentially acting as Singh's bank. They only changed that misreporting when the media got a hold of that issue and started calling. Since then, of course, the Secretary of State has their office under now two secretaries of state, was theoretically conducting an investigation. They settled out with the Democrats in really just a miserable piece of legal capitulation in the settlement agreement, cut the fine against the Democrats and agreed to drop their criminal probe. The attention now, as I've mentioned in the last couple of pieces, I think I've written on this, is is on the Department of Justice. Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum has recused herself from anything related to this criminal investigation or what you know what could be a criminal investigation that's a good move she was financially tied to the Democratic Party of Oregon just like all elected Democrats in Oregon are which is to say that everyone with power in Oregon has connections to the Democratic Party of Oregon which is part of the problem you know the matter now rests with her her staff there was there was a time earlier this week when right after the recusal that I was half expecting the DOJ to announce that they were in fact expanding their criminal investigation to include the Democratic Party of Oregon. That may yet happen. Their preference, of course, is going to be to just let it go unless the pressure stays on. Fortunately, you know, some of the other media, especially the Oregonian, has gotten on this recently. It's good to see that happen, and that's going to take more. It's going to take more of that because, obviously, the folks that run the DOJ care a lot more about what the Oregonian says than what I do. It's a big issue still developing. 
I still wouldn't be surprised if the DOJ announces it's going to look into the Democrats. Then, then you get into the question of art. How much are they really looking into the Democrats? If you've been reading my stuff, you know that I think they ought to ref- the DOJ ought to refer that matter out to an independent prosecutor like Marion County DA to make sure that it's truly a, a, an investigation without conflict of interest that everyone can have some degree of trust in. But they just need to act, in my opinion. DOJ needs to act. You know, the Secretary of State was clearly not interested in doing anything of substance on that investigation. And there's plenty of reasons to think that the Democratic Party of Oregon knew that it was misreporting the donation, the source of the donation when they made their original their original filing. And I've spent enough time on that. I don't need to belabor it here. Keep an eye out on that. Hopefully the Democratic Party of Oregon is subject to a real investigation from DOJ or even better, an independent prosecutor of some sort so that Oregonians can uh, get some justice out of this thing. You know, if the decision is ultimately that there are no criminal charges brought against the Democratic Party of Oregon, hopefully that message comes from someone which ideally is not associated with the Department of Justice, we can truly believe is not conflicted regarding uh, that outcome. Or if the DOJ does take it up, hopefully they are thorough in their approach. It would be nice if that were the case for a change on this issue that we've been following for a very long time here on the Oregon Roundup. That's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening to the Oregon Roundup podcast. If you haven't already, you can sign up to receive these podcasts on your favorite podcast app, be that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or there's probably others as well. If you aren't yet subscribed to the Oregon Roundup newsletters, you can do that at oregonroundup.substack.com. And you can also read the archives of all the newsletters and podcasts that have come out so far get brought up to speed on all the wonderful Oregon Roundup content that is there on Substack. Hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. Hope you have a good weekend and get outside and enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Roundup Podcast. To share your thoughts with Jeff, you can email him at jeff at oregonroundup.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter at oregonroundup.substack.com.